Welcome back to Podcast V, the Pod Clubhouse coverage for Amazon Videos The Boys. This is for the fifth episode of the third season. This one is called The Last Time to Look on This World of Lies. With me, as usual, is Kat from the Latinx Lens podcast. Hey, y'all. What up? <laughs> <laughs> and Inez from the beautiful West Coast. Hello. Whereas the last episode, I could kind of sum up in just like a couple of ideas and a few character notes. This one, I had almost two and a half pages of plot points that I had to distill down into talking points for this podcast because a lot of little things happened in this one. I'm interested because uh, I had kind of like an opposite. <laughs> really? <laughs> it almost did feel like filler <laughs> a little bit, like a filler episode. Well, I can definitely see where you're get, mm-hmm. coming from on that because this, like, as TV reviewers, we've come to recognize the episodes where things happen and then the things that, and then in the episodes that set up things that are to come, right? And this one definitely felt like that in most ways. Mm-hmm. But first, let's look at Kimiko and her recovery, which I totally did not call <laughs> in our last discussion. I thought <laughs> she was dead meat. You two were more hopeful. So. <laughs> Although I didn't see it coming the way it happened. Her just, she's cured, I guess. Well, that's a a talking point, isn't it? Like in this episode, we saw Soldier Boy use his chest beam a couple times for very destructive purposes also. Are we to understand that at like a, at a lower power, he can also just erase powers or at least temporarily take away powers what do you guys think when do you think they're gone for good or do you think nah nah this is just temporary they'll come back oh man it's a really great question i want to say that this probably a permanent change you know they make a big point of telling us about how much like his presence is full of radiation and radiation we know kills uh, healthy blood cells and these are blood cells that are connected to whatever reactive fusion it had with the compound v and so i can definitely see how he could like totally wipe it out but on the other hand i guess i could see it eventually being able to recover at one point since like cells do like regenerate and whatnot my ongoing headspace right now is possibly that Kimiko's lost her powers um, permanently, but maybe if she decides to take a compound V, it'll like reactivate. I want to go down the rabbit hole of possibly, I mean, Soldier Boy is a weapon, but I think he could also be the key maybe to, I don't know if there's already a cure to take out. uh, I can't remember in the last seasons. Um, Well, I guess not because I think Kimiko would probably have taken it already, but I feel like um, he could be also a key, like while he can destroy soups, I feel like maybe since Kimiko was it, she could heal one of her powers that sort of stopped him from killing her outright, like that he 
we've seen him do in this episode. And that kind of saved her. And in the process, the radiation cured the power possibly because he he's full of radiation. So maybe that like cured, you know, her powers and, and that kind of, you know, could be a key to making a anti-soup venom or whatever. Maybe. I mean, yeah. the, the same in some s- small doses, the same sort of thing happens to Wolverine time and again in the comics where mm-hmm. he, he takes a lot of damage and it's only because he has the healing factor that he lives at all. And then it appears like he's very weakened for several issues to come. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually that healing power does bring him back up to full speed. It may take a year's worth of comics, but but he gets back there. Um, these aren't obviously the same characters, but it's the same power. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, and the boys doesn't seem to, st- to strive for originality with powers per se. I mean, the presentation of it and all that kind of stuff, that's definitely the boys stock and trade, but they seem to not care about just borrowing from other existing properties, powers. And being, yeah, it's just like that, whatever. <laughs> so uh, compare, I think it's a fair comparison to, to look at Wolverine as like a pattern for healers. In terms of Kamiko's future and her powers returning, whether by choice or by nature, that is a plot point that seems uh, tied up in in Frenchie's fate, given that he makes an unscheduled departure from the hospital. (laughs) Yeah, their dynamic is the reason that I think that even if if it was a permanent change directly from Soldier Boy, she possibly would figure out the access that she needs to reignite it again just to save him. Since we're on the topic of Kamiko, and I agree, that seems like a very dramatic point for them to take Kamiko and her character knowing that, you know, she doesn't want to have powers, but she doesn't want to lose Frenchie. Was there any type of meaning that my robotic brain was supposed to derive from the musical number. Did you not like the musical number, Paul? <laughs> no, no, I did. I enjoyed it. Kamiko is uh, as cute as they come, but <laughs> but what I'm getting from it was sort of sort of like a a pie in the sky hopefulness of how things might be, given that she doesn't have her powers, which is where she wanted to be, and a possible future with Frenchie kind of looking up and happy, like the tone of that musical number was. I was just giving you a hard time. We've done so many podcasts together, and you've been pretty consistent about not enjoying these kinds of deviated (laughs) ways. So I'm just teasing you. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I feel like to me, I interpreted the purpose of seeing this is to feel Kimiko's like emotions because she doesn't get to portray your emotions. She can't express her emotions herself directly. So these little musical numbers, because this is the second one that we see from her that's like this, uh, right? For episode mm, one, right? Yeah, right? That's right? So this is the second one. And both times I kind of took this as like kind of the emotion of what she's feeling since we're not going to be able to get it any other way. And we don't want it like through a conversation that we have to interpret still stuff. This is just kind of like, we're just going to put you directly in her head. In her head in this moment is just like immense joy. It was just such a very happy, go lucky, cheesy, jovial experience 
um, of what she's feeling. And it gives you a bigger appreciation for like her deep, like desperation to like not have this power. That's And now that she got that, she achieved that goal. She's just this happy. So that's a great way to put it. She can't say it with her, with her words. So the moment when she appears to, to say something with words, was that in her head also? Or was that in reality? That felt like reality. Although I don't think she's there yet. I think she felt it coming, but it's not fully audible. So I think she, that's where we go into her head, maybe where she imagines she's going to be able to be like now that she's, I guess, feeling a tingle or something or a little bit came out. Cause I mean, she knows how it felt to not have the voice and, and, and I guess she's feeling different inside without having her powers. So I could just imagine that I'm going off of that, like of her knowing her own body and being like, oh my God, it's coming. And then like, I guess she's also probably imagined this so much and and maybe she's allowed herself to kind of like go in that little fantasy of like especially since she's been a really dark space lately but i thought it was so tragic because it was like oh it was so such a nice moment but then we know what's coming with frenchie and i was like oh typical boys <laughs> <laughs> the, the spot he was in was go kill a kid or risk whatever comes after that what an impossible place to be and for a debt you don't actually owe anybody you know, it's just sort of like someone walks up to you and says, you owe me a debt and there's a big, strong guy behind you that's going to make sure you pay it. Like, I couldn't live like that <laughs> myself. I'm glad I'm not in that role. I'm glad he didn't make the choice to go kill the kid. But on the other hand, that's going to probably force some big decision of Kamiko's down the line because Billy and M.M. and everybody else are, they're frankly too busy with bigger fish to fry. And by that, I mean Homelander and the devil's uh, deal they, they make with uh, <laughs> Soldier Boy at the end of the episode. Speaking of Soldier Boy, that was uh, my second big fat event. This episode was he comes home, he explodes and gets on the map of the seven or the radar, the minimal radar that they have now that the deep has taken over crime analytics <laughs> and uh, agrees to become Billy's weapon. Is this is this possibly scarier than just leaving well enough alone with with Homelander? Or are we just replacing Homelander with a worse guy? Like, what do you what do you guys think is happening here? I've got a lot of thoughts about this soldier boy, you know, deal that we're making here. You know, so I still have some questions about his power. So we do get a chance to see that he can use it intentionally. But it did seem the first two times that we saw this, there were both times he, that he used this power was really kind of like against his will but he's just like whatever i'm just like i exploded and then i just like move on well it's um, uh i wonder if it's tied into uh quote-unquote triggers um because mm -hmm. he seemed very triggered by the russian pop music sparked that reaction that he couldn't hold back and so he had this massive power explosion the first time he did it was back in russia when he hit kimiko and even then that didn't really look like it was intentional he just kind of like healed over and then came out and she was just like in the way i can't even remember what happened um but uh but then we do see him later on in this episode where it was intentional so i have questions about like this volatility you know it's it's kind of dynamic it, how much in control is he of this 
power. Uh, he, I'm not super sure and confident that he has full control over over this power. On top of that, just from like his history and the conversation that he has with the Crimson Countess, and then what we see between Maeve and Homelander, I just see parallels there. And it makes me feel like, you know, Soldier Boy's not a good guy. So I don't think he is. No. I never got a sense that he was a good guy from any of the context. Eminem is a really good guy and he fucking hates him like deeply. So I'm not convinced he's a great guy. So I don't think that he's any different than Homelander is at this point. And I'm not really sure like what they're going to use to like get him on board. Be like, yeah, well, I'll go ahead and kill Homelander for you. Like, what is it that they've got to offer? He's just like Homelander. If anything, I could see him eventually like teaming up with him. Well, Homelander has a form of post-traumatic stress, I suppose, given the way that he was raised. But I, I don't enjoy putting people's suffering on a scale, I guess. But this is a TV show, and I'm going to say that those flashbacks that Soldier Boy had of them, like, firing an AK-47 into his mouth just to see what would happen, oh. I think that's harder core than, you know, just not having a mommy and daddy uh, from from Homelander. So this guy, I think, is is a bad solution. I, I, it's, it's a, what do they say, uh, the devil you know uh, kind of issue. Mm -hmm. They don't know what they're getting with, with Soldier Boy. I find it very odd that, like, I don't know if it's the V talking <laughs> with Billy Butcher or he's just really gone, uh, Mother's Milk said, like, he, you know, you got to know what line you're going to, what's your line, you know, be like, oh, I'm not going to do that. And I feel like even Billy said, you know, he's, I don't, I never had a line or something. So he's going all in. Um, but I feel like it's bordering now on a little bit careless because I feel like, I don't know, like if he was really thinking clearly, he would be, he doesn't know what Soldier Boy is going to do. Like, and he was locked up in that lab by Russians. Like, and it, why would he care about them? He has no loyalty towards them, even if they let him out. I don't know. It's a bit risky. Literally, he's even more powerful. I mean, I think uh, we don't really know for sure uh, that Homelander, I don't know, maybe it's just like his last hurrah. He's like, there was no weapon to kill Homelander. This is the weapon. If this doesn't work, I think Billy is just going to go into the sunset and be like, well, fuck it. I tried my best. <laughs> I crossed all the lines. I couldn't do it. And then I think he's just going to give up. And I mean, he wouldn't give up, but he would go out guns ablaze and that's more like it yeah. but like yeah he's probably gonna put like five of those v things in him if it doesn't work so um yeah because in my head i think I've, I've already concluded that he knows he's gonna die in this process and i think that's that's the way it feels like his decisions are being made right right like there is no tomorrow tomorrow's not mm -hmm. guaranteed so we might as well act like it yeah. And I mean, one of the big lines is like he betrayed Mother's Milk. I mean, not that he's like a really good team player, but like and he's betrayed kind of all of them or in a way like, you know, he's kind of doing whatever he wants. And then but that was like a big one because he knows he's like, I know you're going to hate me. And he still did it anyway. So kind of tells you a lot. It's like the swimming scene in Gattaca, right? And as he's like, my trick was I never left anything for the return trip. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's Billy Butcher. I wonder if exposure and repeated exposure to the V adds to that recklessness. I mean, well, what was that kid he saw with Huey? That's one of my notes. I didn't quite mm -hmm. get that. I saw that he he gave Huey a double, you know, glance there when Huey's throwing up in the Russian sink, but. I didn't quite get the entire context. Did you guys? I was assuming that that was like maybe a flashback of his little brother. 
I don't know. Mm. That was just my guess, but I don't think they actually gave us anything other than yeah. that flashback to go off of. So that's my theory, <laughs> is that although, he's still looking at him like that, but I don't know. Yeah, although, I mean, they're both taking V, that is according to Maeve and Starlight. They made it a point. It's subtle, but they made it a point to really hone in that, like, hey, this is untested. This is not, like, formulated. Like, they still don't know the thing. So I feel like that's a clue into sort of what's going to happen later, maybe, <laughs> with, mm. like, the side effects and long, long-lasting effects of... There has to be something. I don't think they're going to go without any consequences of taking V. Third big plot point is not a big one, but it's still worth discussing is the A-Train Blue Hawk situation and the press conference where Blue Hawk loses his shit. One of the reasons I wanted to mention that was several times over this past weekend at ATX, I ran into Nick Wexler. You know, I don't know him, but I know what he looks like. And so he's the actor that played Blue Hawk. <laughs> and, and just to comfort you, Inez, I do not believe there's any ounce of Blue Hawk that is Nick in real life. They didn't they, they didn't <laughs> oh, pick, a, pick a little racist bastard to play the guy. <laughs> they picked a nice guy <laughs> to play a racist bastard. He did great. <laughs> <laughs> he was convincing. <laughs> the big question there with that is well not it's not even a question there's first an observation which is that's obviously uh probably written during the big thrust of the blm stuff that happened over the course of the pandemic that was a very present situation happening across the country in the press in the media and in real life and in so this is probably written as a reaction to that, just showing kind of what a jackass you look like when you when you make the same arguments as Blue Hawk uh, in a public forum. The way that he you know went through his apology, just kind of reading his lines, I'll donate ten thousand dollars, yada yada yada, et cetera, et cetera. But the big question mark for you guys to discuss is what does that mean for A Train? Is he finally getting on board to be a superhero now that his brother's paralyzed, or more just kind of treading water with this? waste of a guy it's hard to tell with a train because i feel like we've gone down this road in the past few seasons like we see an inkling of his humanity where he's not just an asshole but then he does something to you know like he obviously sold out supersonic to homelander and you know then you're like ugh, you know like i thought we could be on your side i think at this point i i don't know what he's gonna do like i feel like maybe he reached his 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 line of like okay well paralyzing my brother is it you know like like maybe he he does care about him um and it's sort of the thing that starlight told him as well like why do you keep going back to people who hate you and so and then his brother obviously didn't hate him and he and then that happened to him uh because of him of his selfishness of wanting to you know of all the decisions he made and like the blue hawk thing that he was trying to make right for his own ambition so if anything could maybe change him maybe this would be it but also i'm just hesitant because i feel like there's been other instances where this has happened and then he goes kind of on the good side and then he goes back to be you know his ambition gets the better of him but he's sort of on a last lifeline as well so like if his family is our you know his brother is paralyzed and like that's it I don't know. I feel like maybe he's just going to go all out too because he's like, well, I mean, I don't got anything else now. So, and he's going to feel guilty. If he goes against Blue Hawk, that's going to go against Homelander. So I think that would be the key. Like if he makes a move, then he's starting something with Homelander and he will actually have to be on the side with Starlight and I guess the Billy and Soldier Boy team. 
I kind of question, like, does he have any superpowers left? Yeah, because he can't really, like, run very much anymore or else he risks a heart attack. I also am kind of on this, like, cautious, cautiously just watching him. I don't have a lot of faith in this being a redemption arc start for a train my husband thinks so my husband's giving him some credit that because it's his brother this will be the turning point finally you know the whole way how he handled like this like i want to do something good and then ashley is like okay well what do you want to do to make this better and he's just like uh, just like go and apologize or something like it was like not even like a solid plan. It was definitely still part of that like corporate fake virtue signaling, right, you know, yeah. type of campaign still, right? Like even from the get-go of that. So like it was insincere from the beginning. I also think a lot about how, you know, callous and cold he was in season one with, you know, how he killed Huey's girlfriend, right? And ate her tooth and laugh about it. I feel like that's like deep. That's like deep of like who somebody is. Do you, can you really recover um, and redeem yourself in any kind of way to come back from like that? Because then it tells me how many other people has he like murdered in this way um, or her in this way for many, many years. We're just coming up on seeing the years that he's been in the seven from the moment that Huey's story starts, right? Who knows what like his story was back then. And I don't, I just don't feel very confident in it. So I don't have a lot of faith in him having a redemptive arc this season. If anything, I feel like maybe it sets him up to die this season. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Because like we said about him and the deep, they've done so much wrong to the characters that we like. And just sort of in that universal sense of <laughs> right and wrong, even if they do find a way to to die or 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 have a meaningful um, scene where they where they could be considered redeemed, it, it will still feel somewhat hollow. And and that at least now this character that we don't care about is off the board, <laughs> right? <laughs> maybe maybe it's all just a way to set them up so that when they are in that place, whatever it is, to make that final move that does matter for the teammate that, that we do care about, it doesn't come from nowhere. You know, it's not just totally out of the blue that that A-Train uses his last ounce of super speed to do the one pivotal thing before his heart gives out or whatever, right? It, at least we'll have that build up to it but i might be giving the guy too much credit to hope for something like that let's move on and kind of go through some of our main characters was it all at all amusing to see uh homelander now um in charge of vaught and have no idea how to run a company i like that it was funny <laughs> Yeah, it's just really funny because he's such a narcissist. He's so confident in himself and that he should be running things. And then he's like, OK, like you're literally in the spot now. <laughs> and, right. Yeah. And then like that meltdown tantrum because he couldn't answer one question. Like, wow, that was like perfect. It was just perfect for who he is. And I'm really glad they included this scene. I mean, I'm not a CEO, but <laughs> but I'd imagine that that. That question that she gave him was a very everyday kind of question that people in a in a big company's C-suite are supposed to be able to know the answer to, you know, without freaking out. The more interesting moment that Homelander had for me in this episode, and he had a couple, was 
when he saw Soldier Boy's tape, you know, that he blew up, what to do about it. I think he's unsure. Like, he thinks this might be a fight he could lose, so he doesn't want to get into it. What do you guys think? He definitely looked like he was scared. Maybe not necessarily scared, but I mean, old Homelander or I mean, the Homelander we know, I feel like would run into this situation ready to show that he can save the world. So it's weird that he was like, no, I'm going to stay over here and just talk about it on a TV show. So I think he, yeah, I think he's buying time and he doesn't know what to do. So he's like, I'm just going to still continue this ratings, <laughs> this right. rating show while I'm like, uh, it's sort of like he doesn't want to think about whatever that is. And he's like, well, it's not at Vought yet. So let me just go and do this because maybe it has shaken him a little bit. Yeah, it makes me wonder what he knows about Soldier Boy, because I was curious why he kind of was displaying avoidance behavior. So that made me think also, yeah, he's probably a little bit unsure and scared. But why? Why would he be like this if he's never known Soldier Boy? What does he know about Soldier Boy that makes him this way? What does he know about whatever this mission thing is of where Soldier Boy was taken and turned into? What does he know about it that would justify him feeling nervous? Because he's really good about like dismissing anybody and everybody, you know, because he is like so invincible. I hadn't even considered that aspect of it, Inez, that, you know, given given the tape that he saw and the fact that they mentioned that Soldier Boy is exhibiting unseen powers, I had the assumption that he didn't know what he was seeing. He just knew that he saw a very powerful explosive soup and didn't want to get into the middle of it, at least not right away. But I hadn't considered that maybe he did know what was going on or did have access to those files because, you know, he's the man at Vought now, so he can look up anything he wants to look up. Interesting perspective there. Maybe there is a lot more to know. Perhaps even this Russian site where he was at was what the government would call a black site, a place off their normal beaten path where if they need to do something that the Geneva Conventions would frown upon, they do it in a black site where nobody will find whatever they're doing. Well, maybe in this sense, this is a corporate version of a black site and it takes place in Russia because their laws would make it very difficult for Americans to find out about it or something like that. Was it season one where they had like the soup, the soup villains? And I think he was at one of the houses where the where the one guy was like the suicide bomber type of suit power and he was in there with that explosion and he was not phased by that then i had like another thought train that probably is not going to be as accurate but just hear me out let it loose the other part of this could be that he was just not interested in dealing with it because he's really excitedly focused on like just knowing that he's like the head of Vought now and wanting to do like that stuff and focus only on that stuff and be the face and show everybody that he's the face and he's the leader and all of this stuff. And and it's just mostly like that. He just rather play doing that instead of worrying about like real like superhero things to do. I just had a flash while you were describing that. What if this is like a multi-season kind of issue, right? Where they say they have in this season, they have the big throwdown between Soldier Boy and Homelander because Homelander 
Alexander is so out of practice because he's been masquerading as CEO or whatever you would call it since Ashley's officially the CEO. I mean, yeah, he's technically still Homelander, but he's rusty and he's and he's just not what he could have been. So he gets into this battle with Soldier Boy and loses, but doesn't die. You could imagine where he has sort of like this Jamie Lannister version of of clawing his way back to what he was, kind of away from the spotlight while the world learns that Soldier Boy is way worse than Homelander ever was. Then the audience gets in the position of rooting for the guy who they despised a minute ago. I'm down for that storyline. <laughs> I'm here if you need me, Eric Kripke. Uh, <laughs> the third uh, moment with uh, Homelander that I wanted to talk about with you guys is when he confronts Maeve. It's a very subtle moment at the beginning or toward the beginning of the episode when they show Black Noir playing with something. And it's just like a flash on the camera. It's meant to tell us, as we learn later, like Black Noir still, or yeah, that's the name, Black Noir still around. I had assumed that he had vacated a spot on the seven, which opened up the two, one of the, one of the two spots that was available for the American Hero contest. Now, Supersonic died last episode, opening up another spot again, leaving a marginally functional Black Noir <laughs> able able to resume some position back on the seven. I guess he didn't come out of nowhere when he took Maeve it was they showed it they showed him earlier just for a second though the discussion that he had with with Maeve and the and especially in the way that it parallels what happened between Crimson Countess and Soldier Boy you know the sort of the leading man and leading lady PR setup that had been created for both men I won't pretend it was created for the women. Is that dangerous? How closely that the women's reaction parallel each other? Would that, you know, what I just described is one possible situation for the for those two guys to have. But another one could be that they understand each other too well and become a duo of epic mega powers. That did make me very nervous. I've always felt like, and Maeve's always felt like this too, that her life is in danger, essentially, with Homelander. Especially now that he doesn't give a fuck about that video. Then seeing, you know, like they both are like, I loved you. And both women respond to them saying, well, I've hated you from the beginning and everybody hates you. Um, <laughs> and that happened to both of them. And you know, and then Soldier Boy turns the Crimson Countess into a Crimson Crisp. <laughs> That's the one I was waiting for, guys. That's a good one. That's a or, good one. Or Crispy Countess, if you if you want an alternate. Yeah, that sounds like a meal. Um, <laughs> now I want KFC, but uh, yeah, and and so I felt like you know these guys sound like they could actually be besties if you frame this if you play the cards just right because i don't really see a, any kind of motive of why soldier boy would want to just team up blindly with somebody he doesn't know yeah right so that's, that's a big issue for me right i hope she's not sidelined again 
because I feel like she just keeps getting the, the short end of the stick with these things like she's there, but then she's not. And I don't know, maybe she's going to come back again like she did at the end of season two. But I hope that's not the last we see of her. But I don't know who knows what, she, what Homelander did with her. <laughs> it's a funny mental game that they play with us, the creators of the show and, the, and us viewers in that I just kind of assign her a Wonder Woman power set, given what the little that they've shown us of what she can do. But that still puts her at a pretty high level of strength and ability. But then they show us so little of what she can freaking do. Like you say, they sideline her so much just because of her own, you know, emotional issues and her her jaded personality and all that. Mm -hmm. It's it's like they keep enticing us with this idea. Like if she just fucking let loose one of these times, (laughs) it would it would be great. And she's telling us herself, like, I'm the only one that can do this. Like, I can hold him off at least for a second and then Billy can do his thing or the weapon can do its thing. So that shows that she's pretty close to being super powerful. And that's probably why Homelander doesn't kill her outright, because I don't know if it would just take a long time. maybe. And he's like, I don't want to deal with this. And I think he also just likes fucking with her. So he's like, eh, I'm going to put it, you know, leave her there and let her think she's, you know, doing this and that. But what if like also, I mean, I don't know. I forgot what Black Noir's necessarily like his powers are but what if like i mean she they did emphasize all this training and stuff so maybe like black nora takes her somewhere but then she's able to fight him off you know because we would assume that she's in a good headspace now of like preparing for this moment i also hope on some like in in the you know next episode or the later season that we see her like like she just wasn't a victim and that like you know black noir takes her somewhere and like she's sidelined forever like she actually is able to escape on her own with this storyline i mean what they've shown us is that even though they're they present differently because she has sort of that warrior goddess armor and then black noir has that body armor situation i think they have very similar powers just strength and endurance and you know toughness that kind of thing but i don't think they fly and i don't think they have any other you know whiz bang sort of powers so the idea that she could take on noir i totally buy i had no idea she would take on Billy Butcher. <laughs> <laughs> oh my not. god! When they started drinking, I I called it. I told I was watching with my husband. I was like, "Oh, they're gonna get together." And then like she turns around, and then they do it. And then I was like, "Yep." <laughs> your your pound town radar went off. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Ooh, cute, cute, cute." <laughs> when I started drinking, I I knew they were gonna bang. <laughs> what a moment though for Butcher because just seconds before that he's saying essentially that I acknowledge that I need your help but at the end of this my whole my project is to kill all of you including you and then she's like those are sexy words to me let's let's go um <laughs> maybe yeah she was, she was like oh that's that's so cute <laughs> she's just looking yeah. at B- billy like he's just he's just so cute for thinking like this <laughs> but i wonder what does it what does it really mean about butcher's dedication to the cause right i mean because you would have you would have thought that his hatred ran so deep that the idea of having sex <laughs> with a soup would be dirtying to him, like beneath him, like he couldn't deal with it. He couldn't live with himself. Maybe this is another another aspect of continued exposure to the temp V, perhaps. 
Or him just being a guy, and he has and yeah, he hasn't a been hot with, woman here. That is, yeah, very and he hasn't been with Becca. Yeah, and he hasn't been with. Be- I mean, you know, it, he hadn't been with Becca in like for you know since she passed probably, and it's been a while. Let's and hope. then yeah, and then and then and then Maeve is there, like, and then also I think it was kind of appealing to him because like she he knows she could kill him, and so maybe that was also like attractive <laughs> in the moment. The hate. Pussy is pussy. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Super I'm, no soup. I wasn't surprised about it just because I guess I I feel like a lot of times men don't have that kind of rationale when it comes to actually getting a chance to have sex with a willing partner. <laughs> so they're just like, all right, we'll take it. And, you know, this got, it was not like she was born with it, right? This was done to her. Accurate, yeah. Yeah, right? He did it to himself. So maybe he's just like... The rules don't apply in this scenario. <laughs> you can you can start making all kinds of special, you know, one time only rules in that situation. I, I imagine <laughs> exceptions, if you will. I may have had this situation where uh, Queen Maeve has been interested in in me. So let's just see how this works out. So where is she? Where did she go? Is she a goner? Is she just needing a moment to? to get her wits about her to fend off noir i know we have cat's idea but what about you inez oh i just assume that she is currently captive ashley wouldn't commit to anything some bullshit about rehab oh yeah i think that that just is some kind of code word that she is captive somewhere and right. is not gonna stay that's that's how i interpreted that with her absence and supersonic being gone and you can't count on the deep or a train for anything this largely leaves starlight alone especially given the way that this episode ends up and huey failing the test (laughs) that was put to him she's kind of running a one woman anti-homelander insider operation at this point is that correct yeah, she's in a super vulnerable position. Like, this is really bad for Starlight. She's never been more alone. Her one ally that could had powers to help her is, is gone. And then Huey, as well-intentioned as he is, like, let's be real, that V that he's taking wasn't to protect Annie, who was already a kick-ass superhero without him. I mean, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is he, is he fooling himself with this saving, I, I need to be the one to save you? argument that he keeps telling himself probably he's continued like insecurities more than anything and he liked it he was high from it in a in a very happy way and it's sort of going down that road that we were talking about a lot of like the theme of this episode too is like crossing lines and what that means and the consequences of that and everyone making those choices that kind of you may not be able to come back from so he made his decision and so I don't know if they're going to be able to come back from that, like him and Starlight, even if it is well-intentioned. And she's been telling him directly, like, I need you to stay alive. I need you to stay alive. And his ego is like, no, but I need to save you. I need to save you. Like, he can't handle it. Like, he's not a soup and she is and um, that he's helpless and he just can't get out of his own way. So I don't know. I think that's like his flaw. He's not doing it for her at all. He's doing it for himself, thinking he's doing it for her. <laughs> 
I think it's related to what we're talking about with Butcher. You know, they're both using the temp V. Their inhibitions about what they know to be kind of their core selves have been broken down. Like Butcher and his, the way that he despises soups, but willing to have sex with one, even though we've talked about that she's hot and she's right there and ready to go and all that. Still though, his code and his principles don't align with everybody else, but they are pretty defined and strong. Where Huey, his love for, for Starlight was his defining you know motivation for a very long time. But like you guys say, and I agree with, he likes having superpowers. He likes it. And that seems to be overriding what would normally, you know, give him a, a more solid North Star about what he wants to do, especially when it comes to, to Starlight. I'm, that's a long way of saying, I think in addition to liking powers, the Temp V is, is breaking down some other elements of their personality, their inhibitions or their moral compass or something chemically in addition to just the, you know, the dopamine from having powers, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so, Inez, I'm going to give you credit for calling out Huey's growing addiction to, to the Temp V, because that was an issue you brought up in the last podcast and spoke about. And uh, the way that he lied willingly, quickly to Starlight about not using again and then the next chance he got he was like yep i'm in totally give me them and <laughs> yeah he's like i loved it i loved it so much so this one's for you yeah yay thank you thank you i'm able to see the signs <laughs> yeah i think he's on a slippery slope for sure and we've seen that um butcher got a bigger supply of it is gonna make for a very interesting next few episodes at the end of this episode, when there is an unstated ultimatum put to Huey about you can either go with Starlight or you can go with Butcher. Kat, did it remind you at all of the get in the van Huey scene from last season? Yeah, I know what you said. And I do think there's like a pod, the, the V, sorry, that is altering them on a chemical level. But I do feel like Huey has always exhibited these signs. So he's a little bit too into himself of like having to I think the helplessness so I don't know I think but yeah it seems like these choices keep coming up in every season and he makes the wrong one <laughs> uh, to an extent I wonder if he actually has has on some level always resented Starlight for having powers and he doesn't I think so it, he, he kind of I think doesn't and I think the thing is he hasn't admitted that to himself and then fully accept it and then they haven't had a conversation about it and and so I think that's why he hides it from her and it, there's something going on there like the foundation is not solid for them it makes sense that he really loves having the power because we saw season one he was a full-blown like fanatic of the soups he had their action figures he had their posters up he was a grown man that he is right now just like a couple years younger right yeah you know to finally get a chance to have the powers and he's like living like a better life it's kind of like you know that's exciting i'm not i'm not surprised that he's all about it I also kind of find it interesting, and I don't know if this was intentional or if I missed something or if it's going to be a continuation into the next episode, but, you know, that last scene with them all where he takes the he takes the V to go to Crimson Countess's place, and he doesn't even get to, like, use the power other than to just demonstrate to 
starlight. So I'm thinking like he just took this drug that's going to cause him a lot of pain and like for nothing. Like he didn't use it. It wasn't used for any purpose because like he wasn't even around the action that, you know, when they like needed to. Maybe we'll see some of the continuation of that scene in the next in the next episode. But I thought that was also kind of interesting, could be an interesting point of like he says that he needs it, that he's got it and he's there because that's the only way that he's going to be able to help. But then ironically, like he doesn't even get to use it doesn't even utilize this power in any way so really he just took it like because of his own vanity didn't even impress the girl no not at all (laughs) and then it's like he and then he like loses his clothes (laughs) and when he so it's not even like he doesn't even look cool (laughs) like when he's he's doing it he's just kind of in this What's he going to do, like teleport and then like keep running back to the original spot to put his clothes back on and then teleport again and then run back again it's like a yo-yo? Right. But that was the same situation with the uh, the guy that they blew up, right? With the translucent, uh, yeah. Yeah, that turned naked or turned naked. <laughs> My powers, <laughs> I turned naked. No, he, <laughs> he turned invisible. Man, that, that's a that's a, something in the comics that they... Uh, Marvel and DC never went that direction. They always allowed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> their I really love that. <laughs> I really, clothes. really love that they do that, though. In this, um, I think mean, I think Fantastic Four did it right. They showed that they had to create special suits in order for the powers to adhere to yeah. to their needs. They, right? At least mentioned it. Yeah. Right. That was kind of the only first instance that I can remember. So I really, really love that about um, this show is how much they keep it like authentic in like the like the science, the science way, like the biological makeup of how this could physically happen if it were like a real story. But interesting, I was reading an article. You remember in the last, I think it was two episodes ago when they were in the orphanage and we saw that kid teleport. Yeah. yeah. Um, I read an article. I haven't gone back to the episode to confirm, but the article says that that is Teddy Stilwell, that that is Elizabeth, the old boss's child, right? That we all like assumed like blew up (laughs) when um, Butcher like blew up the whole place. And the article was going about like, you know, would um, Homelander like give a shit about rescuing this baby unless it was like his? And and would he even have time to be able to pull both Butcher and the baby out? And so the article was just kind of had this running theory that that child teleported is Teddy Stilwell and likely survived because it teleported during the explosion. So anyway, just kind of like a little fun, like thought train for you guys there. That's a good tip. That's a good tip (laughs) for the listeners too, because they probably wouldn't have come across that information, but it adds some neat texture to the, to the universe here that they want to make a, a fuller, TV mythos than than just an episodic, you know, keep track of what's happening now, but you can forget what happened earlier kind of show. But that kid could teleport with his clothes on, so I don't know. He's got something else going on. The boys is willing to show a lot, but naked kids, no. <laughs> 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 uh, I'm glad for that. Good, good. I, I would yes, hate good for... Call. Yeah. Well, I think we've answered enough about old Huey. He is operating too too much with that whatever it takes mentality but he's he is sort of all leap and no look right now with his actions 
taking drugs, choosing Butcher. Butcher and his loyalties are a very dangerous thing to rely on. And that is that is the horse he bet on in this race. I don't think I would have made that same call were I in his same spot right then. There is a little bit with M.M. in this episode where I wonder if moving forward, given that he is the one who contacted Starlight at the end of the episode, and he is also drugged, roofied to be specific, to prevent him from interfering with Butcher's plans, I kind of wonder if he might team up with Starlight in some way. If I was Mother's Milk, I don't know that I could keep working with Butcher now that he had drugged me. It definitely was fucking stupid of Butcher to do that because Eminem is a super valuable team member. I wouldn't, if I was Eminem, I would definitely, I would probably have like that multi-year grudge that Eminem had against Frenchie in season one. I probably would develop (laughs) something similar like that for Butcher at this point. That's horrible. And also him uh, making the connection with the legend. That was that was more or less a silly scene. It gave us um, a new character, the legend, played by Paul Reiser, who um, as children of the 80s, we would recognize him from multiple sitcoms, uh, Mad About You being one. He was also the company man in uh, Aliens. Um, but there, he wasn't trying to be funny there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> He's in uh, Stranger Things season right, two. Right. He is the uh, the nice doctor, the doctor you can actually trust from the evil company. <laughs> but yeah, the legend uh, gives them the information they need to find the Crimson Countess. He mostly just regales us with stories of banging women from the 80s. Shannon Tweed or whatever her name was. But. <laughs> <laughs> My last character is Soldier Boy. We didn't see, we weren't privy to the conversation that was had between him and Butcher. And we've already brought up, we didn't fully explore, just why would this guy agree to go along with this plan? Did you guys have any anything that you told yourselves when you watched that scene to make it make sense? I feel like I have more questions and there's too many holes right now. And it's just about Butcher being like overly confident and just so tunnel vision that he's he's willing to do whatever it takes and it might not be super smart. <laughs> right. What, well, if if you already can't kill Homelander, the guy you're trying to kill. Except for, you know, you think you think you found a guy who can do it for you with his own superpowers. I mean, what makes you think you can rein that guy in after the deed is done? Right. I mean, we saw what happened to the Countess. Like, holy mm. fuck, man. She was completely obliterated. You know, it also shows you like how strong Kimiko's um, abilities were that she did not end up like that um, from from his um, shot. Good call, but yeah. Too confusing for me right now, so I'm eager to get on to the next episode to see if it closes the, the hole yeah. that we've already covered. They must do this on purpose, um, but they really don't tell us a lot about any of the powers and the scope of it. Like they, and I think that's sort of a play on like or a parody on you know all the other superhero movies and powers that they kind of go into mega explanation <laughs> in some of those movies. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and so I feel like here they are just banking also off of the audience already kind of knowing that, and like that's not the important part. 
uh, like the details of it. Um, so I'm trying to not to go too much into like the power thing and being like, why don't I want, I need to know this. Cause I think that's not the point of the show. It's sort of, that's the parody of it. But I do feel like given that he has been experimented on, we don't know what the, the Russians kind of did to him or what that bomb did to him. He obviously has radiation of a, like a mega level. And I think he doesn't even know what's happening to him. And like, imagine coming out, like, I don't know how long ago that was. I can't, I for- forgot when we when he died, but it's been a hot minute. So like he he hasn't even gone through the disorientation of like there's new technology in the world and you know there's like he's seen the new soups and like I think he hasn't taken the time to process what has happened to him and then he's having the PTSD flashbacks and then if he didn't have that power before he went into the the chamber that they put him in for how long like we don't know how long he has not really fully grasped how to use it he's just really a ticking time bomb. And I think it's like the triggers where he gets angry and, you know, he doesn't know how to control it. Um, yeah, that would be interesting to kind of see, but it seems like, you know, when Starlight did her eye thing, like, you know, was put her powers, he kind of was able to like, not just lose it, but I think he didn't see her as a threat. So I think he was That's just how like, I felt. yeah, yeah, he was like, uh, I don't need to do my, you know, chest burst thing like on you because you're so inconsequential, which is kind of an <laughs> insulting thing. But that seems like what Soldier Boy is. He's sort of an ass. I, I think he's just kind of in limbo. And I hope the next episode, which is what they've really teased, like from the interviews I've seen, that Herogasm is going to be like crazy. And then Jensen Ackles, who plays Soldier Boy, has been like, oh, you're not going to believe this, uh, you know, or like, you know, they've kind of been really hyping that episode up. So I hope that we do have a gasm of some sort, because then I'll be like, <laughs> you know, I'll be like, I didn't get gasmed. <laughs> so they really hyping it up for all of us. And I hope that's the episode they do sort of his story and the flashback. And maybe the hero gasm is that super chest power. It is interesting <laughs> to see Jensen Ackles in this role, isn't it? Because, I mean, he has been been a CW good-looking lead guy for a, for a long time. And he's very much playing against type with this mm-hmm. character. Scruffy-looking, unknown motivations, might be completely evil, might be, you know, have a different kind of ethos that we don't quite understand because we haven't been through what he's been through. He's sort of... Mm-hmm. So he, he it's sort of like he was Captain America going in, but more like uh, Bucky coming out, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's probably, those parallels are probably very intentional. (laughs) What do you guys have for predictions? You guys had some pretty good ones coming into this one. Do you guys have any thoughts about where we've, where we're going? Or is the title Herogasm just too wide open to even guess? (laughs) Hmm. Man. Well, I've mentioned last time that I've been reading articles of actors' reactions to them working, filming this episode as being borderline traumatizing. So I think that's just, I'm just like ready for it. I love this show for <laughs> these crazy <laughs> things. Like my favorite scene in this uh, in this episode <laughs> was with Seth Rogen. Oh my God. <laughs> that was like beautiful magic to me. I'm so fucking happy they did that. Not, okay, so like little secret story time, guys. But like Seth Rogen is like, a, my celebrity crush like i like, oh i know and it's it is probably because of all of this really like bad shit that he like thinks of that makes me laugh and like go crazy all the time so anyway that was my favorite scene this one so as far as predictions 
I think I'm mostly curious about Kimiko. I want to see like, you know, her processing. I'm interested to see more about what's going on in her mind as she's like processing the emotions of of why Frenchie didn't return and what's going to happen once she finds out what's what's gone on. And, and just I'm so curious about that story. I don't really have a prediction more than what I've already kind of shared throughout the episode, but that's what I'm most interested in seeing play out. No one else has time to figure out Frenchie. I think it's going to be up to Kamiko to sort out what has to be done to get him back, if it's even possible, all by herself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I mean, because Gasm should be in essence should be like pleasure filled so but in the boys like you have to think the opposite of that in a very ironic or you know i don't know like fucked up way so i'm like oh is this gonna be the opposite of pleasure for the heroes or for us as an audience like so i really don't know what to expect i just know like i have been like in that same interview i think jensen ackles is also like don't tell eric kripke what you what your line is because then he's gonna you know he's gonna make you do it or something like that so I'm like, ooh, is this going to be in this episode? <laughs> well, Anthony Starr in the article I read said that he refuses to even watch this episode because of <laughs> yeah, whatever oh happened. Yeah. So I, I just, I'm not going to make any predictions. I'm just going to um, enjoy it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm going to hype myself up and just, you know, kind of go in with a clean slate, no expectations and ready for gasms. <laughs> when, when, it, when your description there made me think of an article that I had read about um, the creators of South Park back when they made um, Team America World Police. Oh, God. Yeah, that movie <laughs> is very boys like. <laughs> yeah. Well, the sensibilities are very similar, right? In terms of what they're willing to show and the lengths that they're willing to go to to make their point and create satire and all that. But the you remember the puppet sex scene, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, you know how it goes on very long? <laughs> yeah. It was a, a great one. Apparently, they had a longer cut that included a golden shower sequence. <laughs> I think I've read something like that. And they only did that because they knew that the ratings board would have to watch it. <laughs> and they knew, they knew that they would have to cut it in order to get an R rating because a golden shower is beyond even an R rating. But they they so relished the idea of forcing the the secretive pod of people that rate all of our movies to to watch puppets pee on each other. Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> so it was for their pleasure, their gasm that they created that sequence. Yeah. That is I mean, the only amazing. thing I can think of that would be so effed up but would be in the boys realm is if they actually like homelander and soldier boy get off on each other because they're so powerful and then you know like they're both of the same caliber where they actually you know they get turned on with each like, other uh, or like homelander and stormfront did like yeah yeah because i mean and homelander they like everything. So, I mean, it seems to like he likes everything. It doesn't matter. So like, um, as long as he's in control. So, and he's never really had anyone that can control him. So what if he likes that? <laughs> what if he actually can bleed like with the little radiation burn? He's like, Ooh, <laughs> that is not off the table. Kat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my one, pre- that's my one prediction, even though I hope that doesn't happen, but like it would be, <laughs> It wouldn't surprise me. A circle jerk <laughs> between the main heroes. Yeah. Although it would be actually kind of funny to see like, like home. I don't know. Actually, maybe that's what I want to happen. 
Why you, am I shying away from it? I'm going to go with my prediction. <laughs> go all in. Right. Live in your yes, truth, as they in. say, Kat. <laughs> yes, live in my truth. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. It has been great talking to you guys about this one. And I also cannot wait to hear or to see what happens in Herogasm. I'm so revved up for it. I might just go watch it tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if, if someone wanted to find you, Kat, on the interwebs, how would they do that? They can find me on Twitter and Instagram at thingscatloves. And if people want to find you, Inez, where would they look? On Twitter, at Thinks, And then on Facebook, if there's a boys discussion group, I'm usually in it, reading stuff. So Doing a research. It's the one thing I can contribute here because I don't know half the stuff that you guys know with the actors and directors. <laughs> so I read the articles. <laughs> you hold your own, that's for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, if you like this podcast, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to it on iTunes or Amazon or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please give us a high rating so other people can find it and listen to our off-the-wall circle jerk predictions. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.